the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get It Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIVIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. There's no longer any doubt there's spring in Northeast Ohio. We had a little bit of rain this week, and we almost got blown away the other day. So we're going to get more sunshine this weekend. And so, you know, we we'll just hold in for the, the sunshine. And somebody told me, I think Colleen, my, my producer just mentioned that there's snow on the way for Thursday. But let's enjoy today. So this week, my patience has been rewarded. I've been watching those little green shoots in my backyard for weeks now. I'm wondering what they are. I know they're plants, but this week the crocuses and the daffodils, they both pop. And uh, they're a full display on all their glory across the across the front and along the driveway. And when I walk around the backyard, I'm really amazed at the floral display, as well as the green shoots of other flowers that haven't popped yet. Uh, the, you know, probably the irises and the tulips. And... Uh, you can see the buds on the trees and the, and the tiny little leaves. The trees are still, the trees still look bare, but uh, they'll green up soon. 
And uh, I can't wait to see that those crab apples, when they bloom in the spring, they're absolutely beautiful. It's too wet to get out too much in the backyard, but after a long winter, there's always things that need attention. And with the weather warming up, I want to be spending more time outside with my chores. And sometime this weekend, we can also find time to pay attention to our financial plan and what's happening to our investment. Global equities were mixed, uh, but mostly positive this week. Uh, Europe was up, Asia was down, and in the United States, both the Dow Jones Industrial and the Standard & Poor 500 were up for the week. Uh, The Standard & Poor 500 set a new closing record on Friday. And while there was some volatility due to the individual circumstances in the nations across the globe, everyone seems to feel that the global economy is recovering and is poised to really recover soon. Uh, Investors see bond yields rise in anticipation of the increased economic activity. Investors also see the price of goods rise as the demands uh, strain the supply chains. Which, which all the supply chains were throttled back when we went into this uh, uh, forced recession in the March and April of last year. And now companies are trying to speed up the supply chains. And uh, well, there's a whole lot of common discussions that kind of go like this. What do you want what and when? I'll have to get back to you. I don't have that kind of materials handy. I'll, I'll I'll get back to you, and you know they're going to get back to you with increased prices and stretched out the delivery time. So basically, that's what's happening behind the scenes in all these companies now. They're all trying to uh, kick their uh, supply chains uh, awake and get them rolling again. And it basically boils down to uh, uh, people going down through their chain of uh, supply chain to find out where they can get this stuff at what price. So if you're bidding on a job and you need steel, well, they'll get back to you as soon as they find out where it's at, and uh, they'll give you a price and a schedule for it. So then uh, there's volatility in the stock market as the rotation occurs, as the investors discover all the bargains in the cyclical values industries that were totally neglected last year. And it will shine when the uh, economy recovers. That's why you're seeing the the high tech uh, move down and the and the value stocks move up. So you're going to see a lot of that. But in the big picture, the the U.S. economy is primed for the the big recovery because two things: one, the, the new vaccine and vaccination programs uh, will defeat this COVID by midsummer. You know, according to what we're seeing there right now. And uh, the other one is that uh, uh, the uh, stimuluses that the government has been throwing at the uh, co- at the uh, economy. You know, in the big picture, uh, we've gone from losing the war against the COVID in December to starting to win the war uh, to defeat the COVID by the end of July. And in fact, the uh, uh, I expect to see the numbers for April and May will really look uh, uh, as if the COVID is just going away because the tempo of vaccinations has picked up to 2.63 million a day. And that's just a little shy of the production rate 
And uh, so basically, uh, if you take a look at uh, 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 saying that 75% of the population, what 75% of the population has either been uh, immunized with uh, a double shot of these uh, vaccines or has uh, uh, gotten the COVID and survived, then uh, this, that that uh, herd immunity should occur in about four months. That should be about the end of uh, July. In addition, states are relaxing their lockdown restraints. More of my clients are having the, getting their two doses already. In Ohio, 27% of the population has received at least one dose, and 15% are fully immunized with two doses. Uh, nationally, we're seeing 137 million people uh, vaccinated so far. And uh, again, we're closing in on this uh, herd immunity uh, by the end of uh, July. And uh, so we've come a long way from the 250,000 new cases a day and 4,000 deaths a day around Christmas time. And now we're, we're probably, we were at around 50, but I think we're up to 60,000 uh, new cases a day and about 1,500 uh, deaths a day. I know that even before this uh, COVID began to ratchet up uh, last October, uh, I think we were down to uh, something like 30,000 cases a day and four or 500 deaths a day. So we've got a ways to go, but we've got four months to do it, and we're making progress during those four months. And uh, this week, there were several reports from different parts of the economy that showed real progress in the recovery. Uh, there was a surprise in existing home sales for February. The National Association of Realtors uh, indicated that uh, February sales of existing homes uh, were down 6.6% from January sales. So uh, there are several possible forces that could be doing this. One of the main candidates is that 30-year mortgage interest rates, uh, they've gone up from 2.74% several weeks ago to 2.8% in uh, February when they, when they were gathering this data. And right now, they're around 3.2%. So, and you can see that, you know, you, there, there's a correlation, somewhat of a correlation between the 10-year treasuries and the 30-year mortgage rate. And the 10-year treasuries have been bouncing up against, the, you know, I think there were 1.66% uh, uh, at, at the end of this week. And uh, so you're going to see the mortgage rates uh, increase. Another possible culprit could be the, uh, the Arctic weather in parts of Texas and the other uh, southern plains states. And uh, the biggest part might be the uh, increases in a uh, lack of inventory. You know, they're down to two months' worth of uh, inventory at their present sales phase. So uh, there's not a lot of uh, people aren't putting their homes up for sale like they used to. Plus, another culprit might be the increases in prices. In other words, uh, just in the Cleveland area, uh, you know, according to the uh, case uh, uh, Schiller Home Price Index, uh, I think we get the latest results on that next week. But 
that shows that the uh, increases in the Cleveland metropolitan area uh, have been in the order of uh, 10 to 12 percent uh, over the last year. So uh, prices are going up. Uh, inventory is going down to the point where it's uh, uh, way below the normal levels. Uh, plus, the mortgage rates are going up. So We'll see how all that, that that's one month one month's worth of data. So we'll see that how that uh, levels out. Uh, I can't believe, I can't help but believe that this is going to be a, a good year for home sales. Uh, also, we see uh, new home sales. Uh, new home sales uh, were down in February. Uh, the uh, the sales dropped eighteen point two percent in February from January sales. Uh, but they're still up 8.2% from March a year ago. So what you're seeing in the uh, in the new home construction and new home sales is that I think it was probably more the Arctic uh, freeze in the South that got them because their inventory levels are reasonable. They're up to, uh, I think, four or, five or four or five months worth of inventory supply. So... Uh, but what you're seeing is that the uh, new home construction and hence new home sales, uh, they're going to be operating at maximum capacity for the next probably for the next year or two. Uh, they've uh, they've run up against their uh, 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 the lack of uh, manpower, skilled manpower for construction. They're doubling their uh, lumber prices. They're extending their deliveries on on uh, Cabinets and toilets and just about everything else. So uh, they're they're they went they were they were on fire the minute they started up after the shutdown in uh, in February and they've stayed on fire since then and now they're basically up against uh, operational constraints. They're at the maximum speed now. Uh, manufacturing picked up in March, according to the. Uh, uh, IHS uh, Market Corporations, uh, they put out a uh, U.S. Composite Purchasing Managers Index, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But basically, uh, uh, new order growth was the fastest uh, in March. It has been in six and a half years. Uh, but they also mentioned this thing about the uh, supply chain disruptions. You know, they're limiting manufacturers' output. Well, the manufacturers are getting the orders, but it's again in the, a case of you what, what, when. Uh, like uh, it's total disbelief that you think I can, I can produce that. And uh, well, I'll get back to you, but don't be surprised if there's a price increase and a schedule delay here. So uh, we'll talk about that later in the show. The Department of Commerce reported that. In their personal income and outlays report for February, they reported that this week, and this shows basically the impact of the uh, stimulus payments in uh, consumer spending. In other words, what they reported for February was that uh, uh, home home household personal income fell 7.1 percent. It, in the month, it fell uh, one thousand five hundred seventeen billion dollars in one month, and that was in January. But uh, household spending only decreased one point two percent. 
household spending uh, decreased uh, 149 billion. So the major this, this basically shows that uh, the spending, uh, the, the major contributor to the ups and downs in the uh, uh, the consumer spending is the federal government's distribution of checks to most uh, households as part of the uh, $900 billion stimulus package at the end of December. And uh, um, when they uh, when they received those payments in uh, January, you suddenly saw January spending spike up, but then there was uh, no payments for February, and the, uh, the spending decreased a little bit, and now when this $1.9 trillion uh, hits the street, you're going to see another increase. And uh, one of the things that <clears throat> you see in uh, all this uh, stimulus spending, it is uh, the, the federal government as well as the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is doing its utmost to keep the interest rates super low, and the um, federal government is uh, really priming the pump uh, with regard to the stimulus, $4 trillion in 2020. Uh, of that $4 trillion, $3.2 trillion was part of the CARES Act in March, and there was another $900 billion at the end of uh, December. And then we recently saw the... Uh, the latest uh, American Rescue Plan, I think it was called, that was the $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus. And then they're talking about a possible uh, uh, infrastructure and, and stimulus uh, sometime uh, this summer. And, and you might be talking anywhere from 2 to $4 uh, trillion there. And uh, let's let's put it just to put a price tag on it. Let's say it's three trillion. So you're talking about nine trillion dollars of uh, federal government stimulus uh, plus what the Federal Reserve is doing. The Federal Reserve <clears throat> is essentially making sure that anybody who wants to borrow money can borrow money at reasonably cheap rates. So. Uh, all these things were uh, stimuluses from the federal government and the Federal Reserve to get this economy uh, going again. And there are concerns about where all this will lead and whether inflation will become a future problem. And right now, although assets like home prices and stocks have been rising, there really isn't any concerns regarding consumer inflation as measured by either the uh, consumer price index or the uh, personal consumption expenditure. They're very similar. They're just they're different measurements of uh, inflation uh, that the consumer sees. In the case of the CPI, it's a basket of goodies that the goods that the uh, uh, consumer buys, and they keep uh, track of how much the food is going up, fuel, uh, home pr- uh, shelter is going up, and all that feeds into the consumer price index. And the same thing with personal consumption expenditure. 
uh, the Federal Reserve likes to use that personal consumption expenditure as their measure of uh, inflation. But if we look at the numbers for February, <clears throat> what we see is the um, CPI, the Consumer Price Index, uh, for February, uh, that went up four-tenths of one percent from uh, January to February, and it also went up 1.7% over the last 12-month period. If you take out the food and fuel aspect of it, because they're volatile and because there's nothing that the Federal Reserve is going to do about changing the price of food or fuel, uh, they're international commodities, if you just take them out of the equation and just look at the core CPI without food and fuel, uh, uh, the CPI only went up one-tenth of a percent in February from January. And over the last 12 months, it's only gone up 1.2%, which says that inflation is nothing to worry about, particularly when the Federal Reserve said it'd be nice to have 2% inflation well, they can't even get up to close to 2%. And if you take a look at the measurement tool that the, <clears throat> the Federal Reserve like, they like this uh, personal consumption expenditure. And if you take a look at that number for February, it went up two-tenths of a percent from January to February and up 1.6% over the last 12 months. If you take out food and fuel from that, <clears throat> you get an increase of one-tenth of a percent uh, for the month of February and 1.4% for the last 12 months. So either way, when the Federal Reserve or anybody looks at inflation, they see a number of either 1.2% over the last 12 months if they're using the core CPI or 1.4% over the last 12 months if they're using the personal consumption expenditure. And the and the end result is, well, it's not doing anything. Who cares? Uh, but people do care about the possibility of inflation and basically who's going to pay the bills. Uh, let me just, uh, there was a lot of discussions in, in uh, Congress this week with regard to uh, both the uh, uh, Colin Powell, the head of the Federal Reserve, he presented as well as uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Janet Yellen, who is the uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary. Uh, just give you some comments on that. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell reiterated Monday, uh, that, that was the 22nd of March, U.S. economy's recovery remains far from complete despite recent improvements, and that the central bank plans to continue providing support. In his report to Congress on Tuesday, <clears throat> excuse me, Jerome Powell said, quote, the recovery has proceeded more quickly than generally expected and looks to be strengthening. Uh, but the recovery is far from complete, so at the Fed we will continue to provide the economy with the support that is needed for as long as it takes. That was in a delivery to uh, the House Financial Services Committee. Uh, he also uh, 
indicated that presently the Fed has held its benchmark interest rates near zero since the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic slammed the U.S. economy a year ago, and most central bank officials don't expect to raise the rates until 2024 at the earliest. Uh, The Fed also plans to continue purchasing at least $120 billion of treasury debt and mortgage-backed securities until the economic recovery starts, um, makes substantial further progress, quote, unquote. Uh, The major uh, federal relief packages passed last year require the heads of the Fed and the Treasury Department to testify before Congress every quarter in their efforts to support the U.S. economy during the pandemic. After the Tuesday hearing in the House, Mr. Powell and uh, and uh, Secretary Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen appeared Wednesday before the House Banking Committee, the Senate Banking Committee. <coughs> Excuse me. In the interview, uh, Mr. Powell praised Congress for acting swiftly to migrate the uh, pandemic's effect on American companies and workers. He reiterated that the bid is strongly committed to achieving inflation that averages 2% over time, a level that has fallen short of over the past decade. There comes a time, and that time will be when the economy is back to full employment and taxes are rolling in, and we are in a strong economy again, when it is appropriate to return to the issue of getting back on a sustainable fiscal path. Um, that's what Mr. Powell said, but that time is not now. Okay, so there, in a, in Mr. Uh, in the chairman of the Federal Reserve's own words, is that hey, he realizes that uh, hey, we're we're uh, throttling up this economy, and uh, uh, and people are becoming concerned about inflation. But until the economy is back to full employment and taxes are rolling in and we're in a strong economy again, and it will be appropriate to return to the issue of getting back on a sustainable path, but that time is not now. So what you're seeing is that uh, uh, from the Federal Reserve, that they are on their plan and they're on their attack and they're going to continue it. Uh, low interest rates, the product of uh, tame inflation and sluggish economic growth, have made the, uh, the size of the federal debt more manageable. And according to the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen noted this week to Congress that the federal government's interest burden is lower than it was in 2007, even as the ratio of debt to GDP has nearly tripled. But she also called for Congress to eventually increase revenues to pay for this higher spending. So basically what you saw this week was an appearance by both the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, and uh, the secretary of the Treasury, uh, Janet Yellen, uh, that they're going to continue basically this uh, uh, stimulus program. They're talking about new taxes. And they're going to keep the interest rates uh, down until they get uh, full employment 
and they get the uh, inflation above 2% for an extended uh, period of time. So um, uh, according to one last uh, quote here, given the low level of interest rate, there's no issue about the U.S. being able to service its debt at this time or in the foreseeable future. So there you have it in terms of saying, okay, we're uh, throttling up and uh, uh, we're watching what's happening and uh, we think we can, we think we have full control of this. So we'll see what happens. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. I realize I get into these big-picture issues about, you know, um, <laughs> trillions of dollars of stimulus and inflation and stocks and all the rest of the stuff. But the real emphasis in all of our lives is, hey, um, what are we going to do in terms of achieving our financial goals? Uh, what are we going to do in terms of the next three years, the next 10 years? Do we have plans to buy a new house? Do we have plans on making sure we have our uh, emergency funds? Do we have plans on, on how we're going to uh, um, continue the education of the children? Do we have plans for our retirement? Uh, where's the money going to come from? Uh, how are we going to allocate it to different uh, uh, funds to make sure that they grow and, and hover over those funds to make sure that they uh, grow to the extent that is necessary to meet our goals? And that's our, basically our job as consumers and, and fathers and mothers and, and uh, newlyweds and all the rest of the stuff. And, and uh, people are approaching retirement. So uh, we can take a look at the big picture and see, you know, the big picture right now looks looks great in terms of saying, okay, uh, I don't have any say in, in how much uh, stimulus money is uh, spent and uh, uh, what inflation happens and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm just looking at it and I'm saying uh, the government and the Federal Reserve are going all out to get this economy uh, righted again and back to full employment again. So um, basically good times ahead until we don't have that much more money to spend, at which point we'll have to change the game plan. But give me a call. You got your you got the number, it's one eight eight eight. 281-1110. Be glad to talk to you about your issues and your financial plan. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. 
Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Kelly, did I see a light there? Do we have a question? We do. We do have a question. Uh, Miranda gave us a call, and actually it's a great question. Um, her taxes are not done yet, and she says why she's trying to get organized. She wants to know what should she gather together just to have her affairs in order. And she says not just for her, but also for her family after she's gone. Oh, that's a that's a uh, that's a well that's a worthwhile endeavor, really. It is. In other words, just to sit down and. Uh, get everything uh, organized so that if something does happen, uh, the the uh, uh, people who have to take over after you're gone know what you're doing and can, can go forward with, uh, you know, either your estate uh, administration or whatever. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a task that is, uh, Rewarding when you're done because you can you suddenly know where uh, <clears throat> all your money is. You also know where all your your bills are. You also can sit down with somebody and tell them, you know, here's my tax returns for the last several years. Here's my will. Uh, here's my uh, power of attorney. Here's my uh, healthcare power of attorney and my living will. You do not necessitate type thing. And then if you go to the trust documents and stuff like that, uh, they're all in one place. Uh, you've got a list of your assets. And uh, this is one of the things that the uh, uh, administrator for the uh, your uh, uh, state will have to go through. The first thing that the, the executive goes through is the uh, marshal the estates. Uh, marshal the assets, which means that, hey, uh, what do you own? And how do you own it? And where is it? And what's the title to it look like? And uh, uh, things, details like um, phone numbers and locations and uh, documents uh, that say, yeah, I've got money in the bank. I've got money in the credit union. I've got uh, life insurance here, there. I've got... uh, uh, money at the brokerage, money in the mutual funds. Uh, I've got uh, land somewhere. I've got a business somewhere. Uh, all these things uh, are basically part of marshalling the estate after you're gone. 
And that should be in one place so that the person can say, okay, the total, uh, total amount uh, for this uh, state at this particular point, whenever you uh, put together these documents, was so much. And then at least the person uh, can then go to these uh, uh, organizations, these financial institutions, and find out what it is today. And then basically... Uh, that's a big step forward in the administration of the estate. So then you look and say, okay, I've got all these assets, and I've got them titled in this way, and I've got beneficiaries uh, for all the uh, assets that are in financial institutions, you know, and again, in the banks and the credit unions and the mortgage uh, in the uh, the uh, insurance companies and the uh, uh, brokerages. I've got uh, beneficiaries for these people. I've got primary beneficiaries. I've got contingent beneficiaries in case the primary beneficiary is gone. Uh, they can go to the contingent beneficiary. Uh, <clears throat> I've, I've taken a look at them to make sure that uh, they're current. You know, when the kids were young, I had my brother. I was going to give the money to my brother to take care of the youngsters. If anything happened, but uh, uh, then the kids are 30 years old now, so <laughs> I better change those beneficiaries. Uh, so you you keep track of what's going on in terms of people getting married, people dying, uh, children growing up, and all the rest of this stuff. So what you do is uh, get your financial plan, uh, get all your information, your financial power of attorney, your Healthcare power of attorney, the living will, the last will, intestinates, your trust documents, all of that in one place in some secure um, storage, not, not in a, in a uh, lockbox in a bank, uh, more like one of these lockboxes that you get in, a, uh, in Walmart, you know, something that you could keep. Uh, um, uh, several folders of uh, paper in one folder for uh, your financial, your all the things we talked about, the will and all the rest of it. Another one for your assets in the uh, and insurances, assets that are in the banks, assets that are in the the uh, uh, brokerage accounts, and things of this nature. And uh, and you then you uh, keep track of that. And basically, uh, you if you're shy of things, if you're, for instance, if you don't, if you don't think the, if you think the bank has turned over several times, and they might not have your latest uh, beneficiaries, uh, you check with them, give them a call, and say, okay, um, send me a, a a document that shows me who my beneficiaries are. So you can keep that in your records too. So, and uh, also with regard to your bills, so that uh, people, a lot of times people don't go through the paper bills anymore. They're online and uh, the uh, executor, administrator of the state is going to have to figure out how to pay these bills because that's part of their job, paying off all the bills in the, of the estate. And uh, and then you have to sit down and talk to your loved one about uh, 
you know, uh, what your what your plans are, where these things are. Uh, start, you know, this is very different. <laughs> this is where you're into, you're into the family discussions now, so it's a matter of saying, okay, uh, you know what your family is doing, and, and uh, just begin to tell people about uh, uh, what you expect to happen after you're gone. So, and uh, uh, the question is right on in terms of it's a task that is necessary. It should be done, but it isn't done in a lot of cases because people are uh, reluctant to uh, uh, spend the time doing it, or maybe they're reluctant about thinking about death, or for any number of reasons. Uh, but it's, it's a, it, once you do that process, and once you've got this, all this information assembled and organized, it's a good feeling. You know, it's a feeling of security. You are, you are basically in control of what's going to happen now, and you've got a plan, and that plan can be executed. It's not just a uh, something you dreamed up. So, uh, good question. If you got any other questions, just give us a call. The number here is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAlee. Uh, the, uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one 888 You know, you take a look at the things we're talking about in terms of <clears throat> uh, what's happening in this recovery. Existing home sales in February. Uh, existing home sales has been on a tear, but... Uh, uh, the, the reduced number of homes for sale and the price increases, I think, are beginning and the increases in the uh, uh, the mortgage rates are starting to take its toll. Uh, existing home sales decreased 6.6 in, in uh, February. And, uh, hey, the housing market has been booming. Uh, bargains, uh, the buyers have been taking advantage of low interest rates, and, and uh, the pandemic it has instituted a promoted a new demand for houses, uh, for space to work remotely, uh, the kids to work remotely. Uh, but concerns about the virus and the fierce competition for homes has made homeowners reluctant to sell. And because if you sell a house, you've got to buy another house. And right now, it's a seller's market. And the uh, inventory of homes on the markets has slid uh, sharply. Uh, according to Lawrence Young, who is the uh, chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, it's not that demand has disappeared from the marketplace. It's really a lack of supply. So the shortage of inventory especially for low-priced houses that's pushed home price higher. The median existing home price rose 15.8% in 
in February from a year ago. Uh, it's now $313,000, according to the National Association of Realtors. So, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Total existing home sales are completed transactions that include single family homes, townhouses, condominiums, and co ops. And uh, the sales in the total climbed year over year, or 9.1% above a year ago, but then they're down 6.6% in February from the month before. And uh, the uh, again, Lawrence Young indicated that, quote, despite the drop in home sales for February, which I attribute to historically low inventory, the market is still outperforming pre-pandemic levels. He cautioned the possible slowdown in growth in the coming months as higher prices and mortgage rates could cut into uh, affordability. So what you're seeing is that uh, the mortgage rates are going up, interest rates are going up, so the mortgage rates are going up too. And uh, uh, versus uh, home affordability is weakening. This is, again, Lawrence Young. Uh, various stimulus packages are expected, and they will indeed help, but an increase in inventory is the best way to uh, address the uh, home cost. <laughs> so, uh, basically, in the, uh, in the Midwest, uh, what you're seeing is that uh, Uh, the home sales dropped 14.4% after a rise of 2.3% from a year ago, and the median prices for home is $231,800. So this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Get This Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. And let's take a look at the manufacturing. You know, and uh, the uh, IHS uh, Market Corporation, they put out a, uh, uh, what they call a market flash U.S. composite uh, purchasing managers index for March. And what they show is that new order growth was the fastest in six and a half years, but the supply chain disruptions have uh, limited uh, marketing output. Uh, for instance, uh, adjusted for seasonal factors, uh, the output index posted 59.1 in March, slightly down slightly from the 59.5 in February. The idea for the index is that they they talk to uh, executives in the different uh, sectors, uh, both service as well as manufacturing, and they get their opinions as to how this month uh, performed versus last month. And uh, in uh, 
uh, March, what they're seeing is a, uh, a low capacity pressure uh, stemming from extensive supply shortages, constrained manufacturing output to the slowest in five months. Goods producers reported the sharpest rise in new orders since June of 2014. So service providers, meanwhile, recorded the steepest increase in new business for almost three years amid stronger client demand and looser uh, uh, COVID uh, restrictions. The combined increase in manufacturing and service sectors, new orders, is the strongest since September of 2014. The export orders also continue to rise as private sector firms up for the third month running. And according to Chris Williamson, who is their chief uh, business economist at Market Corporation, uh, another quote, another impressive expansion of business activity in March uh, ended the economy's strongest quarter since 2014. The vaccine rollouts, the reopening of the economy, and the additional $1.9 trillion of stimulus all helped lift demand to an extent not seen for over six years, buoying growth of orders for both goods and services to multi-year highs. Producers are increasingly unable to keep pace with demand, however, mainly due to supply chain disruptions and delays. Higher prices have ensued with rates of both import costs and selling price inflation running far above anything previously seen in the survey's history. So that's a place until they get these supply chains uh, revved up. That's a place where you are going to see uh, price increases in a sense that uh, <laughs> uh, things are the, the uh, you put, excuse me, you put an order in and uh, the, the response is, hey, I can't, I can't supply it. And uh, I'll get back to you. Uh, when I think I can supply it with a price and a delivery schedule. So, excuse me. I'll give you an idea of, uh, you know, the the Philadelphia. Philadelphia FIG, they put together a manufacturing business output outlook for uh, March. And they asked, how did March compare to February? And uh, this is the rough data from the uh, the managers. Uh, the managers indicated that 58%, uh, 58% of the managers said that new orders were up in March versus February. 7% said they were lower. Shipments, 44% said up for March. Uh, unfilled orders, 35% said unfilled orders increased in March. Uh, delivery times, uh, 32% said delivery times are stretching out. Prices paid, 77% said that prices paid to suppliers increased 70, uh, 77% uh, 
that prices increased in March, thirty-five <clears throat> percent said that the prices that they get for their products uh, increased in March. Uh, number of employees, thirty-one uh, percent said they increased the number of employees, and forty-two percent said that they increased the uh, work week. So those are those are pretty big numbers in terms of. Uh, what you're seeing from one month uh, to the next month, and uh, and then when you see uh, uh, the um, stuff from the market corporation, and even with regard to the official official data from the uh, Department of Commerce with regard to durable goods orders, uh, this is data for uh, February uh, compared to a year ago. New orders were up uh, year over year to date, in other words, January and February of 2021 versus January and February of 2020. New orders were up 3.4%. Steel was up 5.6%. Fabricated metals was up 4.5%. Sheet was up 5.1%. Electrical equipment and appliances, 6%. Motor vehicles is kind of there. I think motor vehicles right now is running through a big problem with regard to chips in their new vehicles. And there's a lot of vehicles parked somewhere uh, that uh, once they get the chips, they'll be on the line. Uh, Defense aircraft up 39% and uh, uh, capital goods. Up eight and a half percent. So what you're seeing there, what you're seeing there is numbers that say uh, the economy is uh, certainly uh, moving back ahead of where it was in February of last year, before the pandemic, and uh, even in the uh, applications for unemployment benefits and the new uh, applicant initial applications for unemployment benefits last week. Were six hundred eighty-four thousand, and that was that was down ninety-seven thousand from the week before. And what we're seeing is the uh, unemployment numbers are coming down, and uh, which is all well and good. And uh, with this open opening of the economy, uh, those numbers are going to come down uh, super fast. And we'll see the numbers next week. Uh, the U.S. Uh, Department of Labor will put out their put out their uh, employment uh, uh, expansion of the uh, uh, jobs uh, for the month of uh, March. So, what we're, what we're going to see is that the uh, 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 there's something like there's still a big problem, but the, we're moving in the right direction. There's still 18.9 million people still collecting uh, from, the federal, from the federal government in terms of um, checks from the state as well as uh, uh, the part-time workers, as far as uh, single workers, as far as people who have gone beyond their 27 weeks of uh, state unemployment. So, uh, there's, there's there's still a lot of work to be done, but we're moving in the right direction, and we're moving fairly quickly. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. In times of trouble, things can get gloomy, but remember that life is good. The clouds will blow away and the sun will shine. The flowers and the trees are growing and, and we have a good day to look forward to. Today, when I woke, I suddenly realized that this is the best day of my life. There are times I've wondered if I would make it to today and I'm going to celebrate the accomplishments, the blessings, and my very good luck and fortune. Yes, even the hardships, because what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I will marvel at simple gifts, like the morning dew, the sunrise, the clouds, the old wise trees, the flowers, the birds, and even the weeds in my garden. I will share my excitement with others. I will make someone smile. I will go out of my way to perform a random act of kindness for someone I don't even know. I will give a sincere compliment to somebody who is down. I will tell a friend how special they are and tell someone I love how deeply I care for them. Today is the day you should quit worrying about what you do not have and start being grateful for what you do have. And tonight, before you go to bed, Sneak outside and gaze at the stars and maybe take your children or your spouse because it's better when great amazing things are shared. And tonight you'll sleep the sleep of a contented child because you know tomorrow is going to be the best day of your life. Remember, a little attitude can be a great big influence in your life. So, what you do is until we meet again next week for more Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group.